Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. i tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Who is the biggest bust of 2020? Not counting players who were injured, but yes, counting players whose quarterback got injured and then their value was completely sunk. We'll talk about that. We've got some week 15 tough calls. We'll be going back to Kyler Murray this week against a banged up Eagles secondary. How about Kareem Hunt at the Giants? We got the Fantasy Cops. We got a Thursday night preview. Um, we got Dave and Heath. We got everything we need. What's going on? I'm Adam Azer, everybody. Here's Dave Richard. What's up? What's up, Adam? How are you? I'm good. I'm I'm looking forward to the week. I don't know. Yeah, I'm good. I'm looking forward to Saturday. I love Saturday football. It's a shame that there's also college football, but excited about that. It's the way things go. I, but I mean, it is, it is a lot of fun. Just wait a couple of days and there probably won't be college football. <laughs> How are you, Heath? Uh, I've got two things, a comment and a suggestion. Oh, Please. Okay. Um, it's too com- late to change the host of the podcast. The comment is, um, I did a bad job and forgot to mention this last week, so I need to squeeze it in real quick. I'm wearing my new um, RotoWare shirt. Thank you, friends of the program. Kenny at RotoWare. Let's last see it. Let's week, see it. Because I, I, did- I am also wearing a RotoWare shirt. Excellent. 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 Uh, last week, I did I was fortunate enough to participate in the um, Fantasy Cares Toys for Tots shopping trip again? And this year, my family got to go with Kenny, who sold Scott Fishbowl shirts. And we spent six thousand dollars that people who bought Scott Fishbowl shirts raised. Wow, now, I was eliminated from the Scott Fishbowl this week, but still, we went and got loads upon loads and delivered them to the local Toys for Tots office. So thank you, Kenny, for letting us participate. That's a beautiful story. That's a great way to start the show. Thank you for your charity. Good stuff, everybody. And um, yeah, and thanks to Scott Fish for running all the people out there that are so charitable in the fantasy community. It's just great stuff. Okay, today we're also going to talk about dynasty running backs, but let's get to the big question, which was who is the biggest bust of 2020? On Twitter, the two top answers were probably, the, from what I saw anyway, were Zeke and Clyde Edwards-Zelaire. But uh, I said not including players who were injured. Who is the biggest bust in fantasy? Um, I'm going to... What do you got? I'm going to go with the obvious one. That's why I was jumping all over you while you were talking to make sure that I got to speak first. Because it's the guy, like we said, some people were going to be busts, the three of us, and looked dumb. But there was one guy we all universally said was going to be a bust as ADP, and he was a bust, and it wasn't injury-related, and that was Lamar Jackson. This is why you don't draft the guy that scored 500 fantasy points at quarterback and expect him to score 500 fantasy points again the following year. Um, Yeah, don't take Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers in the first round next year. (laughs) Yeah, uh, he's hopefully going to help people win their leagues if they were able to get into the playoffs because right now he's peaking at the right time. But yes, uh, I'm trying to look up where... Do you know where he is? I'm guessing he's about tenth. QB 10. I believe he's 10th. 10th. There you go. Exactly. Uh, Dave, who's your biggest bust? Was, I think his ADP was right around 10th as well, overall. My goodness. It's hard to do this when you can't consider players who got hurt. Because I think the case is pretty easy for Christian McCaffrey, who you got two good games out of, and then you had to wait a while. Then you got a good game. Then you have to wait, and we're still waiting. And he was on your bench the entire time while you were waiting. It wasn't like Saquon who got hurt, serious injury, done for the year. But as bad as he was, you can make an even better case for Joe Mixon being that type of bust. But again, somebody who got hurt. So I'm uh, going to say Chris Godwin has been wow. kind of a bust. We were taking him round two range, expecting him to be. And he got hurt too, but he didn't miss nearly as much time as the other guys that I said. But I think Godwin's a pretty heavy-duty bust this year, all things considered. We thought he'd be the top receiver in Tampa Bay. That hasn't happened. We thought he'd be the you know, the second coming of Julian Edelman. That hasn't quite happened. So I, I think that 
maybe, maybe I'm just being contrarian here because there's some obvious ones otherwise, but Godwin is who I will say really wasn't affected by injury, was taken with a very high draft pick, did not meet expectations. That's a really good call. He's 24th per game in PPR. I didn't really think about that one. To me, Zeke and Edward Zeller are the, the top answers. Uh, but Lamar Jackson. Yeah. You know why I didn't consider him? Because in all of our leagues, he went in the third round. But yes, if you took him in the first round, is he is he actually a bigger... He's a top 10 quarterback. Is he a bigger bust than Clyde edwards Zelaire, who's like 15th? If he helps people win their fantasy leagues, then I'm going to say that he's not as big of a bust. Which but, one? Uh, Lamar Jackson. What if Clyde edwards Zelaire helps people win their fantasy leagues? Then he's not the biggest bust either. Seems unlikely, And then he'll go to it? someone like Zeke or Godwin or... <laughs> You know, someone that we haven't I, I mean, talked I don't, about yet. The, the point I was making was like they've both been low end starters at their position. I don't know why it's more likely one of them would than the other. Uh, well, Jackson's playing really well and has a great schedule. And Edward Zeller has New Orleans this week and just averaged two yards per carry. But he did, I know he had five catches, but that's been unreliable. I mean, I who don't you feel a little more confident in, in Lamar Jackson right now than Clyde Edward Zeller this week? Yes. Yeah. Um, and then like Zeke versus Edward Zeller, I just put a poll up and like 75% said Zeke. And, and he's interesting because he was, I, I want to say he was the number two running back in fantasy for the first five games of the year. Like he was you, hot to start the year. Oh, for sure. I mean, he was elite. He was averaging, uh, he was, uh, he had seven, he was on pace in his first five games with Dak for 1700 total yards, 19 touchdowns and 77 catches. The total yards weren't great. The yards per carry weren't amazing, but whatever. They were high-power offense. He was catching the ball a ton, 77 catch pace. Uh, no complaints. He, in fact, we were debating him versus Kamara as number one. Uh, and then Dak got hurt, and his he's been ho- pretty bad since. Edward Zeller, like, Edward Zeller's been a little bit better in terms of, like, a PPR floor than I, than I guess I realized, but not as many boom games. And he's on pace for th- 1,356 yards. Only six touchdowns. Where are the touchdowns? And on pace for only 47 catches, which is disappointing. So uh, who would you guys vote for if you had to? Zeke or CEH? With the idea being that CEH can put together one or two more good games before the end of the year, my vote will go towards Zeke. But but, but Yeah, I, I think about, I'd have to go with Clyde at this point, point yeah, right because now. Zeke gave you a third of a season of elite. Like he was a, he won you weeks the first five or six, seven weeks of the season. Right. Um, there's, there's been a lot of uncertainty over whether you can start Clyde for most of the year. Yeah, but we're at that point with Zeke too. Now, yeah, but you, Clyde never gave you the five or six game stretch Zeke did. That's true. Not, not consecutively, no. I think Zeke has one more game with double-digit non-PPR points than Edward Zilair has. Yeah. Um, you know the other thing about Edward Zelaire is that he he had that that pace I gave you doesn't include the Denver game, where you know he was active, people started him, we got the report he's going to play, and he didn't play, and that was in what week thirteen? I mean that's a crusher. So week twelve or thirteen? Uh, it was thirteen. Yeah. Bart. Okay, we'll finish with this. Who's a bigger bust in your mind, Saquon Barkley, who you could have just cut after two games? But he had two pretty Dudley games, or Christian McCaffrey, who you've had to use a roster spot on, but he's had three tremendous games. Uh, McCaffrey or Barkley? Barkley. Uh, yeah, I would say Barkley. Okay. All right, then. Those are your biggest busts. And thank you all for participating on Twitter. I guess I should probably do the audience a little bit of justice and read some of their responses. Who's the biggest bust? Um, let's see. I also got a lot of responses to my tweet about the movie Speed, which was on last night, and I found it to be outstanding. Loved it. I've seen it before, but I hadn't seen it in a long... A great movie. Um, not including players who were injured, who is the biggest bust? And this is not loading. So this is a momentum killer, folks. Well, let me promote a few things. Apple Apple Podcast Mailbag. Saturday, we read all your Apple... Not all, but most of your Apple Podcast questions. So leave us a five-star review. And the Saturday episode is when you'll hear them. You should do that. You should ask your question today um, or tomorrow at the latest. Thursday at the latest. It takes a little while to show up in Apple. Parlay Pick'em. The contest is open from Tuesday through Sunday. Pick your best five-team parlay against the spread. Why not? 
Just go ahead. We're giving away $1,000 guaranteed every week. And the odds are provided by William Hill Sportsbook. Go to cbssports.com slash parlay. cbssports.com slash parlay. All right, here's some bust candidates from the listeners. Ben Gretsch. I did the pre-draft call with him for St. Jude, and I finished 3-10, my worst season ever. <laughs> oh. Ben's actually done very well in our leagues, uh, but I guess not in this one. But Meg, Michael, thank you for your donation to St. Jude. That is great. Uh, does Matt Ryan count? He lo- just lost me my playoff matchup. He's been a bust this year. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, he's been a bust, but where did you draft Matt Ryan? Right. I think a little too late to be a bust. Every tight end not named Kelsey? No. Hawkinson's no. been great. Waller's been Kittle great. could be in the same conversation as Saquon as far as guy that wasn't necessarily amazing when he was playing and then he got hurt and... You you probably cut Kittle, and now there's talk that he could come back. That's like a stab. That's like a shiv right in your side. Got a, some votes for Mark Ingram. Yeah. I mean, that is just a zero. Le'Veon Bell, obviously big bust. Um, Miles Sanders, he absolutely pooped the bed, except against the best run Ds in the league. Impossible to predict his production. No question he's a bust. Um, Okay. Okay. Good stuff. James Conner. Did he make the list? He did not. Oh, there he is. Hollywood Brown. Yeah, I got like a hundred something response. Juju. Juju is a... Juju was my worst pick. My worst prediction. Absolutely furious about that one. All right, news and notes, guys. Uh, So let's say we've got some opportunities at running back. Let's say we've got Leonard Fournette, Philip Lindsay, because Melvin Gordon has a shoulder injury. Jeff Wilson. Who else am I missing here? Benny Snell. How would you rank those four? So they would be Fournette, Benny Snell, Jeff Wilson, and Philip Lindsay. Uh, Heath, you get the first stab at it. I would like to rank the guy first. Um, whoever starter is going to miss the game. Uh, okay. <laughs> he, <laughs> if they all miss the I game. I think Adam is assuming that uh, well, in this exercise, all four starters And, and I game. think that's unlikely was the point I was trying to make. Um, but if all four starters were to miss, Wilson would be my favorite. Um, I think Lindsay would probably be my second favorite. And then probably Snell. I don't remember who the fourth guy was. It was Leonard. Don't worry, a lot. Bruce Aarons forgot who he was too. (laughs) I I would go Wilson first. Then there's a gap. Then Snell, I think, is going to be second. Lindsay's going to be third. Leonard will be last. Yeah, I I think you know Wilson's been running the ball well, and Dallas is so bad. But how much are you going to trust Philip Lindsay, who hasn't been running the ball very well lately, whereas Gordon has? And how much are you going to trust Benny Snell, who was kind of okay in one game without Connor? He had, I think, three catches for 30 yards, and he was he had 90 total yards or so yeah. uh, against a beat up Ravens defense in a weird game in the middle of the week. Right, and then the week after that, there was still no James Connor. They were taking on Washington at home. We thought, okay, this is a great spot for Benny Snell, and I think he got you like one or two fantasy points. Yeah, he barely played. Terrible, but he actually, I thought he looked a little bit better than Connor last week. I think uh, the offensive line is a huge problem. Snell seems to do a better job adapting to that offensive line, or at least he did in their last. Well, game. how much faith are you going to have in him or Lindsey? Not a lot, which is why there's a big gap after Jeff Wilson. Okay. Yeah, like one guy you didn't mention because, and I don't, he's not really a, uh, he's a injury replacement, but not for running backs. Lynn Bowden, um, he would pro, he would be second for me on the list. Oh, he might be first in full PPR. Well, I um, I prioritized that it that way in a league that you and I are uh, facing each other this week. Oh, I know. Just because I have running backs and I don't have wide receivers. Um, so, yeah, if if Park, the reason it, he's like three guys probably need to be out for him to be first for me. But mm-hmm. if Parker, Grant, and Gasicki are all three out, then Bowden's probably first in full PBR. We should talk about what happened in that league when we get to the fantasy cops. Not that I did anything wrong, but I did play a little bit of defense against you. Yeah, that's, that's good. Defense well, is yeah. good. I, I was surprised, actually. 
Yeah, I, I figured you would have been surprised, but I didn't want you. I, I think Jeff Wilson will be good if he gets that opportunity in San Francisco. I didn't want to run the risk of you having him in our matchup. And I knew how much, I guess we're doing this but now. You had, and, I, and I knew how much fab you had left. And I had a lot of my fab left. You had so over I just 46, right? Over 46 of my fab left. I think yes. I had like 59 left or something. So technically, like that. you, I had 22 left. And right. Bo, Bowden and Wilson were both out there. Mm-hmm. I, w- I kind of expected that you were going to put 23 on Bowden and 23 on Wilson. I, I didn't have the room to carry both. I think I only had one Ross, unless I cut Roethlisberger, which I didn't do. So I, I went with Wilson first, and then Bowden, I put in a bit of like, I wanted to make you pay for him. So I think my bid on Bowden was 19. I put 22 on both of them. I, know I actually did. put yeah. Bowden first. Yeah. Well, you got him. Yeah, that's a full PPR league? It is. Yeah. Because, you know, based on what the Patriots did to Justin Herbert, I'm a, a little concerned about what they might do to Tuatunga Bailoa. Um, they will. The thing is, is I think the Patriots will settle for those short passes to Bowden. Yeah. So that could what I did may end up working against me because it's a full PPR league and Bowden could have seven, eight receptions again. But I well, wouldn't expect the, him to have a lot of yards. That's the other thing too is like the Devonte Parker is the guy they seem to be the most optimistic about possibly playing this week, and Parker playing with Grant and Gesicki both being out might be the best possible situation for Bowden. If the Patriots, like, clearly they're going to take Devontae Parker away. And then Bowden maybe gets but a little less attention. It's it's going to be interesting. I th- He could get the Gilmore treatment, and then that's it. Because they know that Tonga Vailoa doesn't like to take a lot of shots downfield. Although the last game and a half, he started to be a little more aggressive. He's come out of his shell. He did, and he actually said that, too. And that's the thing. It's not just like a random turnaround for Tua. He actually said during the second half of the game two weeks ago that he kind of started to feel comfortable again, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was good to see. And he's, Yeah, you could tell. He's played well. Um, Heath, for what it's worth, uh, we got, I put in a bid for us, for Jeff Wilson of $4. We got him. And we got the I Browns know. DST. So I'm excited about that. And we are out of fab. So let's hope you that act we, like I don't pay attention to this league. Well, I made the moves at like 9.30, 10 o'clock last night. You were definitely sleeping. So <laughs> I don't think you knew about them, uh, at least when you went to bed. All right, uh, a few more news and notes here. It sounded like I said when you wet the bed, but I didn't. I said when you went to bed, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe, you never know. Christian McCaffrey, unlikely to play. That stinks. Henry Ruggs is on the reserve COVID list, so he is not going to play tomorrow night. Um, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen were both limited in practice. They're playing Thursday. They were listed as limited in practice. They both have back issues. Uh, John Brown is off IR. That does not mean he's going to play. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that. They have a Saturday game, Buffalo at Denver on Saturday. To, to clarify, John Brown was designated to return from okay, IR. Thank you. He is still technically on IR and can stay in your IR spot in your lineup. And we yeah. won't know what his status is in practice because he's still technically in that designation. Noah Fant uh, was, he was designated to miss practice. I don't think they actually practiced, right? Uh, they have the Saturday It was an game. estimation, so right. they estimated that he would not have practiced. He has an illness. Brandon Cook's expected to play. That's that's great news. Matthew Stafford, unlikely to play, and Alex Smith is trending in the right direction. We've got Week 15 tough calls. When we come right back on Fantasy Football Today, we'll talk about Terry McLaurin and Clyde edwards Elair and Deontay Johnson and Kyler Murray. Are they tough calls? Then we got Dynasty Running Backs, Chargers Raiders, Fantasy Cops, and your emails all right after this. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. What do you do when you get to the fantasy postseason and there's this quarterback who's just not very reliable, not very predictable, and he's got the Jets and he's Jared Goff. So I would say he is a tough call, at least in my opinion. He's a tough call. Uh, Dave Heath agree. Jared Goff? He is a tough call. He's not a top 12 quarterback for me, but I still would consider him a 
very good streamer, one of my favorite streamers of the week. And I think I'm going to take him in DFS too, just because of that matchup and because I think a lot of other people will be nervous to trust him in their tournament play. Uh, seven of the last eight quarterbacks to take on the Jets, 22 or more fantasy points. That's the good news. The bad news is that when this dude plays at home, he usually doesn't put up good numbers. I hate that that's a thing, but it's a thing. But the reality is that he just hasn't been consistently good. I think it's six of eight games with 20 or fewer fantasy points. Yeah, it's um, they are. And we've seen it with Cam Akers the past two weeks, 50 rush attempts over his past two games. Um, they have a history when that they are playing a team that's not very good offensively, just not throwing the ball very much. Right. Um, he's had a couple of games this season where they were playing from behind or in a shootout, and he threw 51 passes against Tampa Bay and 61 against the Dolphins and 47 against Arizona. But most every game besides that's 32 or fewer. Last week they played the Patriots and just dominated them, and he threw 25 passes. So right. I, he's a, a high-end number two. I do think he is a tough call, but um, I'm probably not starting him. I'd rather start Mitchell Trubisky. So they've got four wins this year in like kind of blowout fashion. They beat the Eagles, Washington, uh, Chicago, and the Patriots by 14 or more points. He threw 27, 30, 33, and 25 passes in those games. So 25 to 33 passes. He scored 29, 28, 20, and 16 points. So he had three good games. Uh, he had Well, he had two great games. He had one 20-point game, which, you know, is not going to cut it, and a 16-point game. Um, the problem is, you know, he's had some rushing touchdowns this year, and that's really helped him. Like, he had it last week. Yep. The game against Washington, I think it was. Yeah, he scored 28 mm-hmm. points on 30 pass attempts. So he had a rushing touchdown. So if you take that out, then you look at the four blowout wins, and it's 29 points, 22 points instead of 28, 20 and 16. Is it fair to take away a rushing touchdown? I don't know. Uh, from a guy like Jared Goff, I mean, I feel like you really want to just focus on his passing stats. Uh, but the Jets are just so bad. However, there's only been one quarterback that's done well against the Jets with fewer than 30 passes. That was Wilson last week. So, uh, all right, would you start the streamers over Goff? Would you start Trubisky and Hurts over Goff? I don't have it that way as of now. I would start. I, might, I, I may change my mind, um, but I, I guess I could say I don't even know if I could say that the upside with Trubisky and Hertz is better than Goff's upside because Goff, I think he realistically has three touchdown upside, even if he doesn't throw more than thirty-three passes, because you can get away with some big plays against the Jets secondary. Yeah, they're, they're awful, awful. And Heath, you said you have Trubisky and Hertz ahead of him. Uh, Trubisky. I don't currently have Hertz, but he's right in the same range. Okay. I've got him ahead of Roethlisberger right now, too. Oh, I think you could just say the Steelers are a tough call. You love the matchup, but you don't love what they're doing lately. Uh, we got Dante Johnson later in this segment. Kyler Murray against Good. the Eagles. So That one's easier. Why? Yeah, this is, this is one, I think, where my suggestion that I forgot to give when I said I had a comment in the suggestion earlier in the show, because I saw this list and I saw Kyler Murray on it. And I just think like, and I know often our rankings are not updated. And so it makes your job more difficult. And I apologize for that. But if you look at a quarterback and he's in our top five across the board, I don't think he's a tough call. I don't think he should be in your top five. He's not in our, Kyler isn't in our tough top five. He's not in your top five? Nope. Okay. He's in Jamie and I's top five. I apologize. Yeah. You both have him fifth. Dave has him ninth. Well, why the why the confidence? They had the ball for f- almost for 38 minutes. They ran 79 plays or 78 plays, and he scored 19 points last week. And he should have, you know, he came very close to having a second touchdown. Uh, but I don't know. He had his second lowest day dot last week. He's just either incapable or choosing not to, but not throwing the ball downfield. The only thing that worried me about Kyler Murray was the fact that he had stopped running so much. That's because right. he has not been successful this year based on his arm. He has been a an, an elite fantasy quarterback because of his rushing production. And he ran 13 times last week. Now, it may have been 10 and three of those were kneels or something, but he had 13 rush attempts. Yeah, uh, He was averaging 10 per game before he hurt his shoulder against the Seahawks in week 11. He had three straight weeks with five rush attempts. He was mostly terrible for fantasy. Last week, he was running again. It came after a week in which 
for the first time since he hurt his shoulder, he had a full week of full practices, no limited participation. My assumption is that Kyler Murray is okay now. I am starting Kyler Murray because when he's been okay, he's been one of the best quarterbacks in fantasy. Even without the any throws downfield? Because, like, I mean, you know, he was getting the Christian Kirk touchdowns and some deep balls to DeAndre every now and then. And that's just not happening. You know? Uh, Dave, you have ninth. I think he's. I think he should have had a better game than he actually had last week. I'm also encouraged by the rushing. I'm still discouraged by the lack of downfield passing. I'm. Uh, I'm okay starting him this week, and I, I'm going to miss starting him. I had him in a league. I lost in that playoff. That says nothing to do with Kyler Murray and his status for this week. But I think Philadelphia's secondary, being as banged up as it is, yeah, will make it easier for him. For he'll certainly make it easier at the very least for his receivers to make plays after the catch. And that's pretty much what their passing game is based on right now. It's lucky throws to Dan Arnold and having Hopkins and Fitzgerald make plays after the catch. Okay. Because he's not, I don't know why, he's just not getting targets very often. It's sad. Okay, so uh, yeah, I think a key, key thing there that Dave mentioned is the Eagles secondary could be without three starters it will certainly be without two starters. Maybe Darius Slay on top of that. So uh, that's a big deal. All right, Kareem Hunt. I'm going to lump these running backs together. Kareem Hunt, Clyde Edwards-Elair, and Ezekiel Elliott. Hunt is at the Giants. They give up the second most receiving yards to running backs. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Elair is at New Orleans with their excellent, excellent run defense. And Ezekiel Elliott against San Francisco. Heath, are they tough calls? Hunt, CEH, and Elliott. Yeah, um, I have one league. I mean, I've obviously got a lot of cream hunt. I've got one league where I'm sitting him for um, Jonathan Taylor and Cam Akers. But for the most part, he's my favorite guy on this list. This sets up to be a pretty good game script for the Giants to just run the ball 75 times, and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt can both be awesome. For the Browns, too. Browns, yes. Yeah. Um, so I'm mostly starting Kareem Hunt as a top 20 running back. Zeke and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, it's solely dependent on do you have better options. Like, There's not currently anyone available on the waiver wire who I would start over them. But if Raheem Mostert was out, I would start Jeff Wilson over both of them. That's probably the only one. I'm probably not going to Benny Snell or Philip Lindsay over Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Ezekiel Elliott. So it's going to depend on who you had on your bench. I think you can make a good argument um, for starting most of the rookie running backs now over them. I mean, Clyde is a rookie. Um, I think you can make a good argument for starting J.D. McKissick in full PPR over them. I think you can make an argument for starting Wayne Goldman over them. How about Dobbins? I can't because um, I don't feel confident that Dobbins is going to get more than 12 or 13 touches. I could see Baltimore just running like crazy on Jacksonville. Oh, and I could too. That but... could help J.K. Dobbins, who like it, it's been a little fluky how he's put up his numbers the last couple of weeks, and certainly touchdown dependent. But he's done it, and if he was able to do that in the previous two games, I'd like to think he's got a chance to score a touchdown on Jacksonville. So I don't mind starting him over um, Hunt or Zeke. I'm kind of encouraged by Edwards Alaire and, and the targets and catches he had last week against Miami. And uh, I'm kind of hoping that the Saints play them the same way defensively, and that will uh, maybe lead to more checkdowns. That's how you can negate the pass rush for the Saints, by throwing these little short passes to Edwards Elaire. And he was getting involved early in the game, and he looked okay on those throw on those receptions too. So I, he's probably he's my favorite of the three. There's no probably about it. Zeke is the one I'm the most worried about. Hmm. He's your favorite of the three over Kareem Hunt, huh? Because this yeah. is the Saints. This is the team. I think they give up the fewest points to running backs here. I know. Okay. And I, I'm injured. I'm curious, and I don't have it here. Kareem Hunt with Nick Chubb. Do we think he's been better per game than Clyde edwards Hilaire? Yes. We could do the math. I, I think quick. probably very similar. Um, I would guess that. Before week 14, the answer was no. And after week 14, the answer is well, yes. Well, no, because before Chubb got hurt, Hunt was a top seven running back. He'd really just been bad with Chubb in the few weeks before last week and since Chubb came back. Right. I remember doing the math um, a few weeks ago, and 
his points per game in games with Nick Chubb was right around RB15. He's tied at that point was tied with like Miles Sanders. Um, I don't slide around RB20. No, I think 16. If you take out the game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I think pretty close and he had three kind of bad games in a row. But such a good game last week with 28 PPR fantasy points. I'm get, It's probably pretty close, but that way. He averaged over 12 non-PPR points in the games with Chubb so far this season. I think the, the question I have with Hunt is, you know, look at the carries the last four games. Uh, forget about the six against Baltimore. Baker Mayfield threw the ball a ton. Uh, 13, 10, 14. So is he going to be in that 10 to 14 range? And in those games, he really didn't catch the ball. He had four catches in those three games. If he gets 15 touches and 12 of the 12 to 13 of them are carries against the Giants, is he going to have a good game? I like that. Does I he think, score a touchdown? I think that's when you start saying those numbers, it's like that sounds a lot like what Clyde Edwards Eler is probably going to get. Yeah, I'd rather go up against the Giants and the Saints. That's the way I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and then how about? Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson, Tyler Lockett. Do you have faith in these guys? McLaurin against Seattle. Seattle has not given up a touchdown to a wide receiver in their last five games. Only Josh Reynolds has more than 62 yards. Now, they face some lousy teams and quarterbacks, but they also did well against Woods, Cup, Kirk, and Hopkins. Um, Deontay Johnson's at Cincinnati. They're only 14th. They're 14th against wide receivers. And Tyler Lockett's at Washington. So, uh, Dave, do you have faith in McLaurin, Deontay, or Lockett this week? I don't have a lot of faith in any of them. Uh, Do I have number two wide receiver faith in any of them? I may have it in McLaurin. I would like McLaurin better if Dwayne Haskins plays, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. It's going to be Alex Smith. That worries me a little bit, so McLaurin would drop from where I have him now in my rankings. He's already outside of my top 15. He'd probably be on the precipice of a top 24 wide receiver. Lockett has been very frustrating. There's so much downside, and we've, we've all been witness to it for the past several weeks. I, I feel like a big game's coming. I have a hard time believing it's going to be against this defense. Washington's been really good, and this, this feels like a tough spot for Seattle's offense to be in with that pass rush being as good as it is for Washington. And then you've got Deontay Johnson, who had all those terrible drops early in the game last week, got benched, and then they let him back in the game. And so I wonder if they're going to say, all right, Deontay, clean slate coming into this matchup. But if you drop another pass, you know what's going to happen. So don't drop any more passes. And his history would suggest he's probably going to. Yeah, it's quite a risk. And that's, that's why I think fantasy managers probably are not going to use Deontay Johnson. But it's 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 a good matchup against Cincinnati. I think Roethlisberger still wants to connect with him. It almost feels like it almost feels like they're trying to like limit Claypool, the way that his targets have gone down, and yeah. Mike Tomlin saying, "Well, we don't want him to hit a rookie wall, so we're just going to lower his snaps." Now, I don't even know what that means. I think it means he's already hit the rookie wall, and so that I think I think they're kind of forced to try and make it work with Deontay Johnson from the jump. I, I will say a couple of things. One, I'm just starting Tyler Lockett as a number two wide receiver. I'm not sitting Tyler Lockett. Um, and I understand why some people might, but I'm not I'm not sitting that type of upside. Um, I'm pro- like McLaurin is a borderline number two. I don't know that I really feel confident that Dwayne Haskins is actually better for him than Alex Smith. I'm probably just, he's a, if he's, if I don't have two guys better than him, I, I don't agree with the idea that the Steelers just have to force the ball to Deontay Johnson. They could throw it to one of the other seven players on their team that is more efficient on a per target basis than Deontay Johnson. They could just treat Juju Smith-Schuster like a number one wide receiver. Um, but that's what they're doing. And so it doesn't really matter. Um, in PPR, I'm probably starting Deontay Johnson and non-PPR, I'm probably not. I okay. think if you view him as a flex, that's the expectation for him. I think he'll be okay. And I think you have to do the same thing with Lockett. I get it with Lockett. You know what the upside is, Heath, and why you're starting him as a number two receiver. But it, it, to me, Johnson and Lockett are kind of the same. They both have terrible floors, but at least with Johnson, you know that the targets will be there, assuming he doesn't make mistakes. But you said they both have terrible floors. Deontay Johnson doesn't have 150-yard, two-touchdown upside. Mm. Well, he yeah, do, but, but he does have like we, we 10 don't catch see that upside. very right. He's got a more consistent upside if you just like he's got a ton of games this year with twelve to twenty PPR points. 
Yeah, he's got more just, catch it, upside than Lockett. Twelve doesn't like like we can't say upside as of a 12 flex. To it is no, it didn't, no, that's not, not a lot upside. of upside. But I think there's a more realistic chance of Deontay Johnson falling between fifteen to twenty PPR points than there is of Tyler Lockett coming up with twenty five PPR points. Yeah, there's no question Johnson has a lower floor because his floor is getting benched. Uh, so, <laughs> let's, let's, which may or may not be that much worse than what we're getting from Tyler it's, Lockett. It's, it's worse. It's I worse. mean, Tyler Lockett has one game with fewer than ten PPR points in his last five. Uh, Johnson has, yeah, one in his last six, and it was last week. Right. I'm just saying, like Tyler Lockett's floor is not similar to getting benched. No. Well, few, yeah, no, it's not. Okay, that's it for the tough calls. More on those players throughout the week. We've got a lot more to get to here. So let's go to our dynasty running back segment, which, of course, I'm unfortunately going to have to cut a little bit short. But I asked you guys for risers and fallers. And why don't we do Heath's risers and Dave's fallers? So, Heath, your running back dynasty risers are Ronald Jones and James Robinson from the Sunshine State. Uh, all right, so how much are you buying into them long-term, Ronald Jones and James Robinson? I think you can look at Ronald Jones now, and coming into the year, he was right around 30, I believe, in my dynasty running back rankings. Still very young. He'll just be 24 years old entering next season. Feels like he's been around forever. I think you can look at him as a um, a high-end number two dynasty running back. Wow. Um, there's... There are not more than maybe 16 or 17 running backs that I feel really confident have more than a, a one or two year window. Um, and I think like you can look to guys like who were in my fallers, James Conner and Chris Carson, as to why I would say that. But Jones, I would expect next year is going to be ranked inside the top 15 and he's 24 years old. So that that makes him a very valuable asset. I think he has to finish this year strong in order for that to take place. He's got to overcome this pinky thing that he's dealing with right now. He's got to have a couple of strong games, and then he's got to be strong for Tampa Bay in the playoffs too. And if all that happens, then I'm with you. But if he doesn't do that, then I'm worried that the Bucks will try and do everything they can to replace him again. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It's a tough call. Plus, the, you know, the offense could look different. Well, I assume Brady's going to be back, but yeah. I mean, let's put it this way: I wouldn't. Would you give up a first round pick to have Ronald Jones on your dynasty team right now? Um, no. I, in the playoffs, right now, you can make the trade right now. Like I'm in the final four, though. I'm I'm playing. Right, so you could have Ronald Jones now and forever. Hundred percent, yes. But you'd have to give up your first, first round, round pick. pick? Yeah, but it's, no. But he's right. Playoffs, it's not it's right. No, it's no better than number nine. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm i saying no to that. I think I'm saying no to that, too. The problem is, is that if the scenario that I laid out comes to pass where he does play well down the stretch, that'll be a bargain. If if because, he gives you two good games and you win a championship, it was worth your 12th overall pick. Well, he sure. may not play this week, though. <laughs> right. We don't know if he's going to play this week, and we don't know how he'll be when he does come back. I just, I, it's his career has been such an adventure that I, I don't feel good saying that he's you know, a bona fide number two superstar wide receiver. I don't think he's any couple of those years. Um, well, you said he was a high end number two running back, not receiver. Right. I don't know why I said receiver. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure either. I thought you were comparing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I don't a, think he's, he's a definitely superstar. not a receiver in any way, but like you call him a high end number two running back. That's really yeah. what I should have said. And that's, I think that that's just a little too high. At uh, this point, how about, it, I'm, I have sorry. trust issues here, I guess, is what it comes down to. Okay, how about James Robinson? Is anybody worried about him being a one-year wonder? It's possible, yeah. Um, but, again, I think there's a, most of the running backs outside of the top 15, and you could or make the argument for some of the running backs in the top 15 that you could have worries that they've only got one year left. What I think is unlikely is that someone goes into this situation in Jacksonville with all of the problems that they have and looks at this running back who is dirt cheap and as an undrafted free agent just had the best season ever for an undrafted free agent and says, well, first thing we need to do is get a running back. <laughs> You've got a running. That's the last thing you need to do. Um, so I, I view Robinson in a similar range to where Ronald Jones is. I would prefer Robinson to Ronald Jones. 
Um, obviously, at the beginning of the year, he was nowhere near the uh, the top fifty <laughs> dynasty running backs. So it's he's the biggest riser. He's the biggest riser. Not only would I easily give up a first round pick for him right now, using the same you know scenario that we had for Ronald Jones, but I don't think the person who had James Robinson would give him to me for just one first round pick. I agree with you completely. He's he's going to be good for hopefully like hopefully five years, but let's just let's play it safe and say the next but year. I think in talking about his value in relation to first round picks, if you were a team that was in the playoffs but had some somebody else's first round picks, um, I wouldn't give up a top three pick for James Robinson. Nope. I probably wouldn't give up a top six pick for James Robinson. He'd be right in that seven to nine range, I think. I can't make a call on that because I'm not sure how great this upcoming class is going to be. I know that there's a couple of running backs and a really cool tight end and a bunch of really good receivers yeah. coming out. And so I'm, two, probably, and I'm probably not going to give up a six or a seven either, but a late one won't get it done. And a late one plus a 2022 first round pick probably would get it done, but it probably wouldn't be something you'd want to do. I think it's interesting to look at Robinson in comparison to all of, because he's still behind all of the elite rookie running backs we were excited about coming into this year. Yeah. Oh, they're they're such a jumble. I mean, is he even is he behind Edwards Elaire? He's behind Taylor. Yes. For me, he's behind Dobbins. I have him I two think spots I'd have him, Dobbins. I think I'd have him behind Acres as well. Swift. I don't know. Gibson? He's behind Gibson. I love Gibson. See, I think I'd have him ahead of Gibson. Interesting. Uh, I think, I think this, Gibson So much of this is determined by what your perception of the player was prior to their... Like Some of these guys have had like three good weeks. Yeah. Um, James Robinson's had a an full incredible season. season. Right. He also has a lot of catches. Keep in mind, though, he's probably going to have Justin Fields as his quarterback next year. That's probably going to hurt his receiving totals, but it might just make their offense a lot better. And maybe, you know, mobile quarterback helps you run, hurts yeah, your passing, hurts the passing game stat, right. stats, the receiving, you know, for the running back. Uh, the most running back catches on Ohio State this year would be three, but it's only in five games. J.K. Dobbins had 23 last year. All right, we'll do the fallers later if we have time. We got to get to the game. Los Angeles Chargers at the Las Vegas Raiders. Dave, it's Thursday night football. Na, 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 na. Yeah. Stat of the game. Let's do two stats of the game comparing the running backs in these games. Um, but they're both starts, Eckler and uh, Jacobs. Running backs against Las Vegas. A running back has scored 13 or more non-PPR, 15 or more PPR fantasy points in five of the last six games against the Raiders. They are Kalen Balaj, CEH, Ito Smith, Ty Johnson, and Jonathan Taylor. So Eckler is awesome, and you will start him no questions. Jacobs, I'm assuming you guys feel the same way. Jamie absolutely obliterated me for this stat last night on Twitch. <laughs> I took his fantasy points in games that he did not score a touchdown. Oh, my gosh. And if you just look at what he does when he doesn't score, he's not a top 40 running back compared to everyone else. When, of course, I am counting the touchdowns for everyone else. But my long-winded point was saying, Jacobs hasn't really had that great of a year. He doesn't catch that many passes. His yards usually aren't great. Um, but he does. But So when he doesn't score, he's been touchdown dependent. That's kind of my point on Jacobs. Uh, but do you have any issues with Josh Jacobs this week against a terrible run defense? No, because of the terrible run defense. And for all the you know, concern about how healthy is he and is he even going to play. I thought he looked good last week. I just wish he had more work. I don't like that he's not getting, you know, that workhorse role. You want to talk about a fantasy bus. Maybe Jacob should be considered among the fantasy bus this year because he hasn't been what we thought he would be as like a top 10 type of pick. He hasn't delivered that. He only has four games with over 100 yards this season. But it's it's the Chargers. It's a run defense that on paper isn't very good. Um, and it's a short week. And like Jacobs has been the number 11 running back in fantasy. Is that really true? He is 10th and non 13th and PPR per okay, game. So he's per not game. even in the bus conversation. No, but I feel the same way, but I think that's just because I really loved him and I thought he was going to take a huge step up and he's just been 
solid. He hasn't uh, he hasn't had a breakout year, unfortunately. But th- just for this week, you know, is he a top twelve guy? Not for me. He's outside of that. I think I have him just outside of the top twelve. Um, twelve. So uh, would you start David Montgomery over Josh Jacobs? Yes. Would yeah. Would you start uh, Miles Sanders over him? Also, yes. Nope. No for Heath. Yes, for I him. would not. How about Cam Akers or Josh Jacobs? Akers. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, then let's go. Okay. So, how much faith do you have in Justin Herbert? You know, he has. He is not throwing the ball downfield lately since Eckler's come back. He hasn't been very good. Uh, how much faith? I think part of the reason why he's not throwing the ball downfield is because his offensive line stinks. And last week they were. Atlanta came at him a ton, so he had to get rid of the ball quickly. I think there were really, there were probably more than three throws downfield that that he had, but the three that I remember, two of them were really good. So he can still do that. He just needs time. How much faith do you have in him, though? Like, I think he's a top twelve quarterback because the Raiders' pass rush isn't really that good. They've got big guys up front, not necessarily explosive guys. So I, I think he'll have a little bit more time. I think he'll be able to challenge downfield a little bit more. Um, to Dave's point, Justin Herbert has been pressured on 27.7% of his dropbacks, which is tied with Carson Wentz for the fourth highest mark in the NFL. I, I agree. He's a t- low-end top 12 quarterback. I would not start Trubisky or Hurts over him. So that's no. like he's – you're probably starting him. He's going ahead of Goff, too. He's going ahead of Roethlisberger. It is a little concerning that last three games, under 20 fantasy points in each, and Austin Eckler's back. Yeah, and and he just faced the Falcons last week. My goodness. Um, and plus, obviously, if Keenan Allen doesn't play, it's a different story. But we'll we'll keep an eye on those injuries, get you updated on that tomorrow. Um, would you start Derek Carr in this game over Justin Herbert? No. No, but I, I have them very, very close. And I noticed that I was like the high guy on Carr. And I'm not, I'm not really sure why he's not a borderline starter. He's got 27 fantasy points in three of his past four games, and he's been a top 12 quarterback this season, and he's facing the Chargers. The question I have is, how much throwing will he need to do? What kind of game do you anticipate here? Um, Because if they just pound the rock with Josh Jacobs and he throws 25 times, that's going to be bad. But basically what we've seen is, other than a dud at Atlanta, when he's had to throw, he's been pretty damn good. Cursing. Pretty, pretty darn good. Pretty darn tootin' good, if I may now say Now we've got to so. put the red E on this episode. <laughs> uh, but no, seriously, I mean, let's give him some credit. He's, uh, he's had six games with more than 32 pass attempts, Derek Carr, and he scored 22 or more points in five of those six games and um, 27 or more in half of those games. That's really good. So, yeah, I don't know. Heath ended up with him at 11. Dave and Jamie have him like 18th or 19th. Any final thoughts here? Wanna- Why do you hey, hate Derek Carr, Dave? Yeah, I don't. I like a lot of other quarterbacks. I'm worried about that upside. I think defenses can play the Raiders differently with Henry Ruggs not on the field, and that's going to be the case this week because Ruggs is on the COVID list. But uh, it, but it, but it's crazy because I do I do like Aguilar. Of course, I like Waller, and I'm not in love with Josh Jacobs. So maybe this is one I need to revisit a little bit. But having the confidence to start him over Trubisky, Hurts, Goff. It doesn't sound like much, right? It really doesn't sound like much to put him ahead of those guys against the Chargers, but the Chargers have held quarterbacks to low numbers for whatever reason. Maybe it's because they've taken on sloppy quarterbacks. Matt Ryan last week is a good example of that. I think it's because their run defense is so bad. Well, sure. I mean, that's that's part of it, too. They haven't allowed a touchdown to a running back in the last three weeks, though. But look who they played. Buffalo, New England, Atlanta. Right. Uh, but, uh, okay. They, um, they've, they've, yeah, they've faced one top 12 quarterback. How did Josh Allen do against them? That, that's the one. Okay. 17 points. Um, 17 points. He was not good. Um, basically since week five. Yeah, but you know who else they played in that stretch? They played Derek they did Carr. They played Derek Carr. And, yeah. He, yeah. and he only threw 23 times. But he scored 17 fantasy points. That was part of that three-week run of three straight wins for the Raiders. Right, where he was terrible. He, well, he, was, he only threw 23 to 25 times in each game. So, right. like, and, their, and their defense has been so bad lately 
that I feel like yes. the Chargers should put up some more points. Um, but the Chargers' offense hasn't been very good lately. So, uh, you know, that's it might come down to pass attempts, as it, as it often does. Um, all right, the wide receivers, Keenan Allen is a must-start. He's been below 60 yards in, like, four of his last five games. Any concerns? Start him. Okay, starter said Mike Williams if he plays? Nope. Can't trust him. And Nelson Aguilar is what this week? Very close to a number two receiver. Just outside. High very, outside very good flex. Three. Yep. Very good flex. And you might be able to make the case for Mike Williams in the same spot as that, but because that defense is so terrible. But I, I think there's trust issues there. And I've got trust issues with Carr. I'm definitely going to have trust issues with Mike Williams. Are you going to start type of thing. Nelson Aguilar over Zeke, Clyde Edwards, Zelair? No. Yeah. PPR, yeah. How about over Cole Beasley? I have it that way as of now. What'd you say, Heath? Is John Brown playing? We won't know. It's a Thursday game. You got to gamble. Yeah, unless I hear some report that John Brown is expected to play, I'm probably just going to stick it out and wait for Beasley. All righty. And then uh, Darren Waller is a must start. What about... Hunter Henry and don't you know what before we get to Hunter Henry how about Hunter Renfro with Henry Ruggs out do you see sleeper appeal for Hunter Renfro you can DFS him like I think it's important to recognize like Henry Ruggs impact on the receivers and Derek Carr can only be so big when he's getting three targets per game yeah it's not like there's a lot to redistribute here yeah okay so then Hunter Henry start or sit I'm starting him mostly it's simply because he's a tight end who gets targets and isn't an offense that should throw the ball well in a favorable matchup. There's really not a whole lot else. They're to really that. not that bad. Like Kelsey has killed them. Other than that, you know, Gronk had a big game. Henry didn't Fant didn't. They both had seven targets. Hayden Hurst had four for 48 on eight targets. Like they're not this actually surprisingly the Raiders are not that bad against tight ends. It, yeah, other than, only they one bad defense. Other than they are, yeah, they, they're a bad defense. Henry's gotten at least six targets in five of his past six games. Got beat up a little bit and missed some time last week, but he came back in. I I think it, you, if you've been riding Henry all along, you, I don't know if you're going to be able to make the call on Irv Smith versus Hunter Henry, for example. It, what if? Rudolph doesn't practice on Thursday, and then he's out there on Friday, and that spoils Irv Smith's upside. Okay. I'm not going to trust Cole Komet. How about Eric Ebron or Henry? I think I have Ebron higher. You do. How about Rob Gronkowski or Derek Henry? Or Hunter Henry? Hunter Henry. I have Henry higher than Gronk by a spot. Okay. All right, then. That's going to do it for this game. I, I think probably shouldn't. I think it's going to be a riveting game because the only player that I personally, well, two, I guess, Waller, the only players that I feel like are slam dunks are Eckler and Waller. I mean, Keenan Allen, you have to start, but he's just been a little shaky lately and he's kind of injured. But I just think there's so much up in the air. I could see this game going so many different directions, and I'm really looking forward. I think it's going to be a real fun way to start out week 15. All right. Uh, That was fun. Dave, you want to... Get the uh, outro music for Thursday Night Football. Na, 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 na. Right into the intro music for the Fantasy Cops. All right, here we go. From First one is from Tim in Myrtle Beach. He says, cheers, or cheerio, Boris, Winston, and David. Those would be Prime Ministers. No, that was a, kind of an Aussie accent there. Sorry, Prime Ministers. There we go. I play in a dynasty league where the last place team gets a very unique punishment. Every Sunday during the next season, from kickoff to the first from kickoff of the first game until halftime of the night game, the loser has to wear whatever humiliating costume the league chooses for him. If the person refuses, the league votes and removes the fifth best player from their roster, and they go into the waiver pool. If it happens a second time, the fourth best player is chosen, and so on. In five years, we've never had a refusal, other than one exception we gave for a funeral. Our commissioner was the big loser last year. This past week, he was supposed to dress as a French maid, but he refused because he was meeting his girlfriend's parents for the first time. We voted, and we want to remove DeAndre Swift from his team, but he's crying that Swift is better than his fifth best player. He has Keenan Allen, Josh Allen, 
Clyde Edwards-Elair and Stefan Diggs that we decided were ahead of DeAndre Swift. Were we wrong? Were we wrong in our evaluation? And even if we were, should it matter? He refused the costume, so I think he should deal with the consequences. And in return for settling this debate, what would you like us to make him wear this week? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay, so he didn't dress up as a French maid. They took out his fifth best player. They deemed that to be Swift. And they put Swift behind Keenan Allen, Josh Allen, CEH, and Diggs. This is a dynasty league. Did they make the right decision? No. Who should I'm not sure it matters. I'm not sure it matters, but DeAndre Swift might be first. Second, behind Diggs. Who's fifth? Is it Keenan Allen by default? Um, is it Josh Allen by default? I'd probably go Diggs. Dynasty Sw- League. Diggs, Swift, Clyde. Yeah, those three for sure. Allen, Keenan. So Josh and Keenan. So you think Keenan Allen is probably the fifth best here? That was in a choice, What's that? What does the dynasty trade chart say? Who's got the lowest value on that? That's what I, I would use. I don't. Um, <laughs> when, you, when you when you update it next, that's when we'll know. I think the the bigger issue is if this girlfriend's parents that he's meeting, if this is an important meeting that might impact him the rest of his life, as in he really thinks he might marry this girl, then I'm thinking an exception should be made. However, if he ends up breaking up with the girl, then he needs to make amends for not wearing the costume, and he should have to wear two costumes for breaking up with the girl in exchange. That would be that would be the rule that I would make. And if Allen is fifth in the trade chart. And if okay. she dumps him, then he gets DeAndre Swift back or Keenan Allen back. No, no, no. Like I, I, I think he just, should get an exception. He kidding. should get an exception for the week, or at least for the meeting of the parents. Mm-hmm. Like in the morning when he's like, you know, doing like, his grocery here's shopping the or whatever. Thing, though. He's got to wear the French made costume. It's week 14 or 13, maybe, when this email came in. This is not a surprise that you're going to have to wear something humiliating all day on Sunday. You've had to wear something oh, humiliating right. every Sunday for the past three months. Yeah. Why so did why you not schedule make the, a meeting right. with the parents on a Sunday? There you go. So he's got to pretend to be sick and call out of I, I didn't understand he says there. every sunday during the next season okay yeah all right so it's right, every, he finished last every last single year. sunday so Gosh. right every sunday you know if your girlfriend if your girlfriend loved you she wouldn't she wouldn't make you meet also, her parents sunday during fantasy week 15 i mean come on i'm i'm just going to say this and this is going to make me a bad fantasy manager but i if i finish last in this league i might just quit the league <laughs> this is a great league. This is a great just, league. I might just quit the league. That's that's sad. That's All right, sad let's go to our next on one. Integrity. By the way, the costume he should wear is a garbage bag with uh, the butt cut out in the back. Oh and gosh, holes holes for the nipples. <laughs> All right, this is from Robert. Uh, our league ran into an issue this week. It may have to do with our platform settings. Six teams make the playoffs. Two teams had a bye this week. By the way, this is not a CBS league. Six teams make the playoffs. Two teams uh, had a bye. The seeding is now showing the one versus the three because the three defeated the six and the two versus the five, which defeated the four. The two seed has the weakest of the remaining teams and the three seed is unhappy. The three seed is arguing that all brackets should default to one versus four or five and two versus three or six. I don't get that. Please help us decide if we should be altering the seeding. The fate of the league hangs in the balance. Is there a standard way we should be looking at this? Nobody realized this until the week started. When the NFL has its playoffs, the bottom seed always takes on the highest possible seed in a given week. So this year, the number seven seed will take on the two seed. If the seven seed wins, he's there. that team is guaranteed to take on the one seed the following week. I recommend fantasy leagues do the exact same thing. Yeah, so reseed, that's what I do. I reseed, right. The one, in this case, the one seed should be playing the five and that's, two should be that, playing that's the three. That's my preferred way of doing it. Although I'm in a league for the first time this year that the top seed each round gets to choose who they play. And I, it's kind of fun. Yeah. I don't. Oh, that, that is cool. That was a uh, baseball proposed doing something like that. MLB. Or you could like, but then, sh- they, then it was fun. So they didn't, I don't remember exactly what happened, but yeah, kind of. All right. That's it for the fantasy cops. Thanks a lot for your questions at fantasy football at CBSI.com. We got five minutes for emails guys. Here we go. This one is from Joey. This is an interesting one. Joey is a chiefs Homer. 
And he says, if Kansas City wins this week at New Orleans, then the week 16 game versus the Falcons is completely meaningless. Um, because due to tiebreakers uh, versus Pittsburgh, losses versus conference opponents, etc. But regardless of those two games, even if Kansas City wins them both and Pittsburgh keeps winning, they must beat the Chargers in week 17 to get the one seed. So Joey thinks that they might rest their starters in week 16 and bring them back in week 17. Do you think that's realistic? It's possible. I don't know if why that's I had really the case that it comes down to. We've seen Andy Reid rest his guys pretty much every year that he's had the chance to. But not week 16. I can't see that happening. That's so it, it's, strange. It's a, such a weird circumstance where that would have to be the case. I'm not quite sure of the math on that one. Well, this because the they have a game, they're it. a game up on the Steelers. And um, since week 16, let's say they, they both teams win this week. There's still a game up on the Steelers, but they have the tiebreaker on the Steelers. So week 16 is not a conference game and therefore wouldn't change any of the tiebreaker scenarios against Pittsburgh. That's what that's what our emailer is saying here. If they win the game in week 16, do they lock up the one no, seed no matter what? Not if the Steelers win. Uh, well, actually, you would think so, right? And maybe, uh, I don't know. All right, you know no, what? I'm they're done. They're a game up on the Steelers. If they lose to the Chargers, then they'll lose the tiebreaker in week 17. So they, if, right. unless the Steelers there lose, and the Steelers could very easily lose to the Colts. Um, in week, in week 16. 16, and that would change. They've got to play their guys. Yeah, but I think we'll worry about this after the game against the Saints. But it's possible. I just don't see them resting starters. That is so weird. They can't rest, rest starters in week, in week 16. 16. They have a chance to close them out. If if the Steelers, uh, the Steelers are going to be playing at the same time. They're basically going to say, "All right, we don't care what the right. Steelers do in week 16." Right. That would be. God forbid they rest their guys in week 16 and the Steelers lose, and now they've got to play in week 17. And Bosa concusses Patrick Mahomes on the first play of the game in Week 17. All right, don't even. Why would you say that? We're moving on. We're moving on. Move on. This is from Matt Colliff. Dear Homestar, Strong Bad, Bubs, and the Poop Smith. Yes, it's a throwback to my high school days. Good stuff. Who should I bench? What is it? That is uh, Homestar Runner, Strong Bad. I think it was called Homestar Runner. Um, I've never heard of that in my life. It was. Nope. It's really funny. Strong Bad was a very very funny thing. Uh, all right, who should I bench? Bench a running back. Robinson, Eckler, Chubb. Really? Robinson. I think it's Robinson. <laughs> Robinson. Bench a wide receiver. Ridley, Adams, Jefferson. I think that's Jefferson. Yeah. Now start Robinson or Jefferson, half PPR. Probably go back to Robinson. Yeah. All right. From Carl, wide receiver in a flex spot. Spot Start two. Michael Thomas, Tyler Lockett, Terry McLaurin. I'm sitting McLaurin. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Pick one of them. My bad. Thomas. Thomas. Okay, now pick a flex. Carson, Lockett, McLaurin, Mike Davis. Mike Davis. I'm probably going to pick Davis. It okay. came down to Davis and Carson for me. From Matthias. Can't express how much I love the show. I won my league when you guys recommended a player who exploded for 40 points in the championship round. I don't know. Who could that be? Schrager. Who scored 40 points last last year in week 16? Not Mike Boone. Not Mike Boone. <laughs> Damn Mike Boone. <laughs> See if oh, you can sorry. figure it out. Again. Um, all right. Kirk Christian. Or, I'm sorry. Kirk Cousins or Taysom Hill? I like Hill. Yeah, Hill. Choose three, Metcalf, Jefferson, Ridley, Deontay Johnson. Uh, Daniel Jones might have been the guy that scored 40 in week 14. Week wow. 16 last year. Week Interesting. 16, really? Cool. I'd say Deontay Johnson. I, I didn't hear the question. I was Googling. Just, Just Deontay, Deontay Johnson. Johnson. Uh, yeah. Herb, Herbert or Tannehill? Tannehill. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick also scored 39.7 last mm. year in week 16. Maybe. Um, Memories. Herber or Tannehill. 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 All right. I think we're going to have to go with, we're going to have to end it there. Thank you for the email. Uh, from, can I just give a real quick answer on this? From Andy, when looking at matchups this time of year, how much is the analysis weighing season long results versus the last two or three or four weeks? I'm strictly the last two or three or four weeks. And that's, that's where we end up disagreeing a lot. And I like to look at, like, actually, we just talked about it with the Raiders' pass defense. It's like you look at the last three or four weeks, but you also have to factor in who have they played. 
if they haven't played any good opponents in the last three or four weeks, like Seattle facing the Giants and the Jets the last two weeks, something like that, then you know it doesn't count as much. And I would just reiterate that I'm only looking at the outliers. Um, 24 of the 30 teams I don't really consider as a matchup factor. Oh, interesting. I actually knew that. Uh, from Ryan, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, David Montgomery, and Mike Davis. Pick two. Jacobs, Sanders, Montgomery, Davis. Davis and Montgomery. Yeah. It's hilarious. I mean, it's right, but it's just hilarious at this time of year you're going with yeah. that. Um, and finally, from Matt in NorCal, pick three uh, Pick three in PPR. James Robinson, David Montgomery, Kenyon Drake, and Jarvis Landry. P.S. Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. It takes place at Christmas time, not a Christmas movie. Anyway, pick three. Robinson, Montgomery, Kenyon Drake, Jarvis Landry. The running backs. Yeah. Okay, and you're right about Die Hard, and so is Barack Obama. Even he said Die Hard's not a Christmas movie. So, What did the guy who wrote Die Hard say? He said he didn't think it was a Christmas movie until he saw the set. So that, to me, tells me that the set designer thinks it's a Christmas movie, not the writer. But the writer did say it's a Christmas movie. So, tough, tough argument to make. Go watch some Strong Bad, ladies and gentlemen. And thank you for listening to Fantasy Football Today. We'll be back tomorrow with Starter Sit for the AFC Home Games.